Gosh Pods, pediatric educational podcast series from Great Ormond Street Hospital. Gosh Pods are brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Welcome back to our episodes on SDR. We've got the lovely Steph Corker with us today, and she is going to be telling us a little bit today about the pre-admission side of things for this particular procedure. Welcome, Steph. Good morning. Hello. Thank you so much for talking to us today and taking us through this quite specific and detailed pathway. I'm just going to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your role and what you do for the Trust. Well, my role is um, lead physiotherapist in the neurodisability service at Great Ormond Street. And as part of my role, I lead on the movement disorder service and subsequently also have taken on the lead for the selected autorhizotomy service. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That sounds fab. If we just start off with the obvious question for most families, what happens once a child is listed for SDR? So um, when children are listed, they'll be listed on the basis of being either on the um, NHS England pathway for funding, or they'll be listed as independently funded. Um, And that depends on their gross motor function level and also their um, age, because those are the criteria that NHS England have um, provided funding for. So whichever way they're listed, the same information goes out to the team. The one significant difference is that um, one of the important things is that we have to inform the local therapy team that we're planning the admission as Part of the pathway for the NHS England admission is that the local team will provide um, a set agreed amount of um, physiotherapy and rehabilitation from that admission. Um, And children that don't have NHS funding, that will have to be included in the money that the family fundraise. So at this stage, it's very important for me to write directly to the physiotherapy managers to make them aware that that child has been listed and that they will be asked to complete a service level agreement to do the rehabilitation for that child. Brilliant. And um, so following on from that, how much post-op therapy does the family need to sort of plan for when they're considering SDR, especially if they're self-funding? Yes, um, the the self-funded children are given a guidance based on the NHS guidance so we give the same thing to both both sets of families um the nhs england agreement covers the post-operative care up to two years so there's a set amount of therapy that is is recommended um, this was based on the commissioning agreement um, and it's not set in stone in terms of how that's administered but we do give guidance on how often Um, And children will obviously um, be required to have both um, an agreement for the first and second year post-surgery. Most children do make the um, very rapid recovery in the first six months. So um, we do try and also encourage families to book in their usual leisure activities after the initial recovery period, um, which does help with getting them back up to fitness. So some families do like to coordinate additional activity but we don't always recommend this it's just a case of that's a personal preference and I know you mentioned that the local therapy team um, needs to be informed and involved but is the rehabilitation provided by GOSH or by the local service? 
Um, it's actually the rehabilitation after the first three weeks is provided by the local teams. That's the expectation. So GOSH will only provide rehabilitation in the, the very acute post-operative period. Um, and then they'll take that on um, in the community. So that referral to the local team is really important then to make it. Yes. And is there money available um, to the families for this additional rehabilitation? Yes, um, the part of the NHS commissioning was that um, we put in an amount for therapy um, to be provided in the community. So the way that NHS England do this is um, they will actually pay that money when the child is admitted to Great Ormond Street. And then it's our role to pass this on to the local team um, by invoicing from the local team. This is a really new way of doing things and it has caused some confusion so after we've written to the local team, they need to sign the service level agreement to provide the rehabilitation. Um, we try to give them an estimated date so they can plan for staffing and resources. So we do understand that, you know, it, it's not always easy to provide this rehabilitation because not necessarily just because they, they don't have the money. It's actually the fact that they don't necessarily have the staff available. Um, so we do try and give them plenty of time to do that. Once, once they've filled in the service level agreement um, and we have the information from their finance teams, they then need to invoice us. And so we do this in two stages. They do it when the child is admitted for surgery um, and they're issued with a purchasing order number. And then they do that when they come for their one year review, which will be for the second year of rehabilitation. So we do have um, a letter that explains this. And we also will explain it to anybody that wants to over the phone if they want to get in touch with, with the team here. So it's a set amount. And I think that's the thing that's confused people. It's it's actually an agreed amount. So you, it doesn't matter what grade you pay someone or, or, what, um, or what that person is what level that is it's definitely an agreed amount so there's no real flexibility on that so it comes in two stages what if the local team have problems providing the resources can the money then go directly to the parents to pay for private therapy no unfortunately we have discussed this with nhs england um, but due to governance issues it's not possible to do that does the agreement specify the grade of the therapy should be provided no, the, they don't specify in terms of grading of professional um, staff. It doesn't need to be somebody that they feel is um, suitable to provide this treatment. And what we usually say um, is that in the first four months, children are really changing quickly and they're quite high risk for falls and problems. So it's important that the therapy grade is equivalent to be able to make changes to the programme and give advice on risk. Um, but once a programme is set in place, often that can be carried out by people of lower grade or by different ways of using group work and things. It's very much down to what's available in a different area. Um, and again, if anyone wanted to speak with us about that, we're very happy to discuss it for advice. So that's really good to know that we need to organise all that rehabilitation preoperatively. Um, and once that's sort of in place, how long do children wait for their surgery in general? Obviously, it varies. Um, it's usually about six to eight months. But because of the um, NHS England requirements, the age cutoff for funding is 10. And sometimes we might have to push those children forward because they would risk losing their funding. 
also other children who might be developing contractures or deformities much more quickly, they may need to be prioritised. But on the whole, we do tend to try and keep children in the order of which they were added to the waiting list. And during that waiting time, is there a way that the local team can prepare to support the child and their family? Should they start any intensive training or any preparation up to the surgery date? Yes, it's a question we're quite often asked. I mean, I think there's definitely value in preparing children for having more regular and intensive therapy, but we don't necessarily recommend that they start that intensive therapy too early because particularly in younger children, they can really kind of burn out, they get really tired and it's quite hard to stay motivated, especially for two years. So we try and explain to parents and to families that, you know, it's like training for a marathon. Um, You know, you start your training, you have to build it up and then obviously you get more intense after that post-surgical period Um, and then they just have to keep that motivation by mixing it up and making it varied. We do recommend that they start to discuss the surgery and how it might affect children day to day. You know children will often have different splints or different walking aids and sometimes that can be helpful to go through things. It's very hard for children to imagine how they will be after surgery. Many of them are um, quite independent and quite mobile before surgery and that does take that away at the very beginning and they might also be involved in lots of sports and things so it's it's quite a um a challenging discussion to have with children but obviously depending on their age it's quite useful to be um, discussing that it sounds like it can be quite a challenging period for the child immediately post-op is Mm -hmm. the additional psychological support that can help children get ready for the surgery and that post-op period. Yes, this is an area that we are looking at and have been quite interested in. Um, We don't currently have psychologists attached to our team. However, it would be really helpful to know if the local teams felt this is needed for this particular child or if there are specific issues that we need to be aware of. We do have access to referral to psychology for some children, but um, we would need to know that was particularly needed for an individual child. And at what point are the families and or their therapists made aware of the types of equipment that will be needed and what might be more beneficial to help with the rehabilitation? Well, all children will need a wheelchair for long term use. Um, So if they don't already have one, they'll need to have a referral to the wheelchair service to provide this. We do usually write that in the letter when we confirm their admission because it can take a number of months to get that done. They will also need new splints and and knee gaiters, but we will provide those after surgery. So that is supplied by GOSH. In terms of additional um, equipment, our experience is they don't need lots of additional specialist equipment. Many families have already got basic kit, which kind of include benches and mats and, and some play equipment. But it really depends on the GMFCS level. Sometimes children might benefit from a commode chair to help immediately post-op, depending on what their housing is like. Um, But our our team do speak with the family and school and nursery about what to expect in terms of equipment. So there should be plenty of time to get things in place. Some families, one of the things some families ask about is a treadmill. Now, a treadmill is a big, bulky piece of equipment. And my experience is that young children certainly aren't particularly motivated by using a treadmill. But it is 
definitely useful to have one available to children, either in the leisure centre or in the sports facility or in the local therapy team. But if parents have the space and they want to buy one, then we can advise them on which are the best type to have. The other thing that I would say is probably something like a trike. That's something that families do find really useful. Um, And these are usually charity funded. So again, it might be something that is worth looking into early on um, so that they can... um, get that uh, in place for children. Great. I think that's um, a really comprehensive summary of the types of things that will be considered preoperatively for these children. As you mentioned, you are happy to discuss as a team with people if they have any specific queries or questions. Is there any specific contact um, details or website that they can access to, to do that? So yes, we do. Great Ormond Street do have a SDR page and you can definitely find information about the SDR procedure from that. Um, There's also information about general movement disorder service and contacts. Um, We do have an SDR specific NHS.net email account, which is gos-tr.sdrservice at NHS.net. And our pathway coordinator, who's our administrator, is on the hospital number, which is 0207 405 9200 extension 1532. Brilliant. Thank you. That, I'm sure that will be really helpful for local teams to contact. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for um, coming to talk to us about the pre-operative side of Selective Doors or Rhizotomy and really hope to see you again in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Gosh Pods. If you would like more information on courses and educational opportunities offered by Gosh Learning Academy, please visit the website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy or follow us on Twitter at Gosh Learn Academy.